0: Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Bible Reading Podcast, episode number 208. Today's big Bible question Why did God choose a cowering weakling to lead his army? So, hello, friends. Happy Thursday to you. Today we have some great passages to read, including Judges chapter 6, Acts chapter 10, Jeremiah 19, and Mark chapter 5. Our focus passage is going to be in Judges 6 which features the story of Gideon, one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible. But first, I'd like to talk about Mark 5 for a moment and tell you uh, a pretty strange story. Now, uh, You might have noticed that I sometimes do character voices for the podcast, and I realize I'm not especially good at voices I know, but I do them anyway for, I don't know, honestly reasons beyond my grasp. Uh It's not that I'm trying to make the Bible more interesting or anything, but... Uh, just do the voices. Now, you might have noticed I do a particular kind of voice whenever we encounter a passage like today's Mark 5, and somebody that is demonized speaks. It's a voice that goes up and down the scale, cracks and breaks, and generally just sounds awful. Now, believe it or not, and this is a weird story. There is a reason for me doing The Voice that way, a reason based on a true story, at least true as far as I know it. Now, my dad is a lawyer, and when I was a kid, way back in the dark ages, he handled some pretty controversial cases. He was not a criminal lawyer, but he did sometimes engage in cases that might have made him some enemies. He represented several African Americans in civil rights lawsuits in the, I think the 80s, maybe the 70s too, in the 90s, and Beyond. He represented a group of truckers in the 70s that flooded the streets around the Alabama state capitol in Montgomery demanding, well, actually something I don't remember, but it was probably like better working conditions or safety laws or something like that. I don't, I just don't know. Anyway, he was a sometime legal crusader and made some enemies. Now, one night when I was eight, nine, something along those lines, he got a phone call from a man who stated to my dad that he was coming to kill him. Now, I vaguely, in the vaguest sort of way, remember that night, or maybe I just remember being told about it, but I think I have this memory of my dad getting his gun. It was Alabama. Everybody has guns in Alabama. And waiting up for the guy. But the guy never showed up, which, you know, obviously a good thing. Now, years later... My dad told me a little bit more about that call, including the fact that the man who called claimed to be demon-possessed. Now, I asked my dad what he sounded like on the phone, and he said the man's tone and pitch changed up and down and up and down and up and down while he was talking, and it sounded very strange and unnerving. Now, try as I might, I couldn't get anything else out of my dad on that call when I was a teenager and we last talked about it. Uh, but I've never forgotten about it, and now you know the rest of the story. And knowing is half the battle. Good day, good night, and good luck. Oh, wait. Well, let, anyway, let's talk about Gideon a little bit more. Uh Well, actually, let's read about Gideon first, and then we'll talk about him. So, Judges, chapter 6, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. The Israelites did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord handed them over to Midian seven years, and they oppressed Israel Because of Midian, the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and the people of the east came and attacked them. They encamped against them and destroyed the produce of the land, even as far as Gaza. They left nothing for Israel to eat, as well as no sheep, ox, or donkey." For the Midianites came with their cattle and their tents like a great swarm of locusts. They and their camels were without number, and they entered the land to lay waste to it. So Israel became poverty-stricken because of Midian, and the Israelites cried out to the Lord. When the Israelites cried out to him because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to them, and he said to them, "'This is what the Lord God of Israel says.'" I brought you out of Egypt and out of the place of slavery. I rescued you from the power of Egypt and the power of all who oppressed you. I drove them out before you and gave them your land. Their, I gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites whose land you live in, but you did not obey me. Now the angel of the Lord came and he sat under the oak that was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abiezrite. His son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, valiant warrior. Gideon said to him, Please, my lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? And where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about? They said, Hasn't the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and deliver Israel from the grasp of Midian. I am sending you. And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I deliver Israel? Look, my family is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the youngest in my father's family. But I will be with you, the Lord said to him. You will strike Midian down as if it were one man. Then he said to him, If I found favor with you, give me a sign that you are speaking with me. Please do not leave this place until I return to you. Let me bring my gift and set it before you. And he said, I will stay until you return. So Gideon went and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from a half bushel of flour. He placed the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot. He brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat with the unleavened bread, put it on this stone, and pour the broth on it. So he did that. The angel of the Lord extended the tip of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread. Fire came up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. Then the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. When Gideon realized that he was the angel of the Lord, he said, Oh no, Lord God, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Don't be afraid, for you will not die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it the Lord is Peace or Yahweh Shalom. It is still in Ophrah of the Abezerites today. On that very night, the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull and second bull seven years old, then tear down the altar of Baal that belongs to your father and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Build a well-constructed altar to the Lord your God on the top of this mound. Take the second bowl and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah pole you cut down. So Gideon took ten of his male servants and did as the Lord had told him. But because he was too afraid of his father's family and the men of the city to do it in the daytime, he did it at night." When the men of the city got up in the morning, they found Baal's altar torn down, the Asherah pole beside it cut down, and the second bull offered up on the altar that had been built. They said to each other, "'Who did this?' After they made a thorough investigation, they said, "'Gideon, son of Joash, did it.' Then the men of the city said to Joash, "'Bring out your son. He must die, because he tore down Baal's altar.' And cut down the Asherah pole beside it. But Joash said to all who stood against him, Would you plead Baal's case for him? Would you save him? Whoever pleads his case will be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him plead his own case because someone tore down his altar. That day Gideon was called Jerobaal, since Joash said, Let Baal contend with him because he tore down his altar. All the Midianites, Amalekites, and people of the east gathered together, crossed over the Jordan, and camped in the Jezreel Valley. The Spirit of the Lord enveloped Gideon, and he blew the ram's horn, and the Abizurites rallied behind him. He sent messengers throughout all of Manasseh who rallied behind him. He also sent messengers throughout Asher, Zebulon, and Naphtali, who also came to meet him. Then Gideon said to God, "'If you will deliver me as you said,' I will put a wool fleece here on the flesh threshing floor if dew is only on the fleece and all the ground is dry I will know that you will deliver Israel by me as you said and that is what happened when he got up early in the morning he squeezed the fleece and wrung dew out of it filling with with water Gideon then said to God uh, d- don't, don't be angry with me. Let me speak one more time. Please allow me to make one more test with the fleece. Let it remain dry and the dew be all over the ground. That night, God did as Gideon requested. Only the fleece was dry and dew was all over the ground. And there you go. What a strange and mysterious chapter, right? So Gideon is the youngest in his father's household, and his father's household is the weakest in Israel. This is not good soil for hero growing. Further, what is Gideon doing when the angel of the Lord calls him? He's hiding in a hole, threshing wheat. Have you ever threshed wheat? Yeah, well, I haven't either, but I gather that the point of it is to toss the wheat in the air so the useless chaffy part, I forget what it's called, flies away, and the kernelly and edible wheat part, again, I forget its name because I'm not a farmer, remains. The whole thing about this process is that it takes wind to do, and if you've ever been in a deep hole hiding from somebody like Gideon was doing, one of the first things you might notice is It's just not very windy down in a hole. So you have to work that much harder to thresh that weedy goodness. Picture this. God wants to raise up a deliverer, a military leader to lead his people against the mighty Midianites. Now, I hope they had t-shirts that said that because it just kind of rolls off the tongue. The mighty Midianites. Now, why? what do you want in a military leader? Well, you want a real Captain America type. Oh, I mean, Captain Israel type, right? Strong, brave, intelligent, good leader, mighty warrior that is confident and also you know a little self-effacing and funny, so the women in the audience can identify with him, and the men don't hate him for being like a hundred per cent captain awesome. This is not who Gideon was; he was hiding in a hole, he was not a warrior, he was like a cowardly farmer from a weak family. What a strange choice. And yet, when the call comes to Gideon, he immediately steps up to the plate and becomes a mighty hero, right? Raising the sword above his head and saying, by the power of... Oh, actually, that's not at all what happened. Even though Gideon came face to face with the angel of the Lord... That was not enough for him. He asks for a sign and the angel of the Lord obliges and gives Gideon a clear and unmistakable sign. So mighty Gideon then wakes up the next morning or actually does it during the night and he heroically pushes over a pole and smashes an altar. Well, you know, okay, I guess that's something, but I got to tell you, when I was a kid, I used to push over trees all the time. It was like one of my favorite things to do find a big dead tree in the woods and you know push it over it made me feel like he-man until one day i pushed a tree over that was really pretty tall and like the top of it broke off and you know kind of crushed my head but that's okay i recovered but that's okay i recovered now what were we talking about um oh yeah so captain america finds bucky surrounded by skeletor's army oh wait that's not right oh yeah Gideon Gideon right so Gideon pushes down a pole in the night where nobody can see him after meeting the angel of the Lord and being called to lead God's people into battle but even after seeing the angel of the Lord face to face and seeing the sign that the angel of the Lord did still it was not enough for Gideon and so he asks for not merely one more sign but two what's the deal with this guy well to be fair with him He did pretty much tell you up front what you were getting. Weakest guy from the weakest family. He didn't pump himself up too much. So he's got the self-effacing part down pretty well. So God chooses a weak guy from a weak family to lead his people. Why? 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 It makes no sense. Well, I don't know why God does what he does. His ways are higher than my ways. But I do have two theories to pitch at you. A major theory and a minor one. So let's start with a minor one. Number two. Reason. I believe God chose Gideon. Consider this interesting passage. Let me read it again. Verses 11 through 14 of Judges 6. The angel of the Lord came, and he sat under the oak that was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizirite. His son Gideon was thrashing wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you, valiant warrior. Gideon said, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? And where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about? Skip a bit to verse 14. The Lord turned to him and said, go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the grasp of Midian. I am sending you. So, The Lord is with you, valiant warrior, to a guy cowering in a hole? What a strange greeting. How in the world was Gideon valiant or brave at all? Well, I submit that we get a big clue to that question in verse 13, Gideon's answer. If God is with us, where are all his miracles? Now, that's a great question. And while it might seem like it is expressing Gideon's doubt, I actually think it's expressing his faith. This strikes me the same way as when Elijah uh, took over for Eli- elisha took over for Elijah, slapped the ground with his cloak, and said, "Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah?" Well, Gideon wholeheartedly believes in the power and might and deliverance of God, and he's hungry, starving actually to see it again and I believe God calls and equips and uses those people that are hungry for a mighty move of God like we read about in the Bible. And Gideon was hungry for a mighty move of God. So I think that's the number two reason that God goes to Gideon and hails him as a valiant warrior. Here's the number one reason. Again, my opinion based on scripture, I suppose. Because God delights in showing his goodness, power, and wisdom by using weak vessels and weak people to accomplish his will. Where do I get that crazy theory? Well, from the Bible. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, 26-29, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak Things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. Fascinating. It's almost like Paul was thinking of old Gideon in that passage. What an amazing God we serve. One who chooses weak humans like you and me to shine his glorious light through and use for the glory, his glory and our good. So let's let's close pondering one of the greatest and most difficult to understand truths of the Bible that we see in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. But God said to me, says Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, says Paul, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on me. Wow. So God Uses weak people like us. And in fact, his power is made perfect, not in our strength, not in our muscles, not in our human power, but his power is made perfect in our weakness. Ponder that, my friends. Jeremiah chapter 19, verse 1. This is what the Lord says. Go and buy a potter's clay jar. Take some of the elders of the people and some of the leading priests and go out to Ben-Hinam Valley near the entrance of the potsherd gate. Proclaim there the words I speak to you. Say, hear the word of the Lord, kings of Judah and residents of Jerusalem. This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says. I am going to bring such a disaster on this place that everyone who hears about it will shudder because they have abandoned me and made this a foreign place. They have burned incense in it to other gods that they, their ancestors, and the kings of Judah have never known. They have filled this place with the blood of the innocent. They have built high places to Baal on which to burn their children in the fire as burnt offerings to Baal, something I have never commanded or mentioned. I never entertained the thought. Therefore, look, the days are coming, this is the Lord's declaration, when this place will no longer be called Topheth in the Ben-Hanam Valley, but Slaughter Valley. I will spoil the plans of Judah and Jerusalem in this place. I will make them fall by the sword before their enemies, by the hand of those who intend to take their life. I will provide their corpses as food for the birds of the sky and for the wild animals of the land. I will make this city desolate, an object of scorn. Everyone who passes by it will be appalled and scoffed because of all its wounds. I will make them eat the flesh of their sons and their daughters, and they will eat each other's flesh in the distressing siege inflicted on them by their enemies who intend to take their life. Then you are to shatter the jar in the presence of the people going with you, and you are to proclaim to them, this is what the Lord of armies says, I will shatter these people in this city like one shatters a potter's jar that can never again be mended. They will bury the dead in Topheth because there is no other place for burials. This is what I will do to this place. This is the declaration of the Lord and to its residents, making this city like Topheth. The houses of Jerusalem and the houses of the kings of Judah will become impure like the place Topheth, all the houses on whose rooftops they have burned incense to all the stars in the sky and poured out drink offerings to other gods. Jeremiah returned from Topheth, where the Lord had sent him to prophesy, stood in the courtyard of the Lord's temple and proclaimed to all the people, This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says, I am about to bring on this city and all its cities every disaster that I spoke against it, for they have become obstinate, not obeying my words. Mark chapter 5 verse 1. They came to the other side of the sea, to the region of the Gerizines. As soon as he got out of the boat, a man with an unclean spirit came out of the tombs and met him. He lived in the tombs and no one was able to restrain him anymore, not even with a chain, because he often had been bound with shackles and chains, but had torn the chains apart and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and knelt before him, and he cried out with a loud voice, What do you have to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you before God, don't torment me. For he had told him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. What is your name? he asked him. My name is Legion, he answered him. Because we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the region. A large herd of pigs was there feeding on the hillside. The demons begged him, Send us to the pigs so that we may enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. The herd of about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned there. The men who tended them ran off and reported it in the town and the countryside, and people went to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the man who had been demon-possessed sitting there dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs. Then they began to beg him to leave their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged him earnestly that he might remain with him. Jesus did not let him, but told him, Go home to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So he went out and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and they were all amazed. When Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, A large crowd gathered around him while he was by the sea. One of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, My little daughter is dying. Come and lay your hands on her so that she can get well and live. So Jesus went with him, and a large crowd was following and pressing against him. Now a woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years had endured much under many doctors. She had spent everything she had and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she became worse. Having heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothing, for she said, If I just touch his clothes, I'll be made well. Instantly, her flow of blood ceased, and she sensed in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, "'You see the crowd pressing against you, and yet you say, who touched me?' But he was looking around to see who had done this. The woman, with fear and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told the whole truth. "'Daughter,' he said to her, "'your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be healed from your affliction.' While he was still speaking, people came from the synagogue leader's house and said, "'Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher any more?' When Jesus overheard what was said, he told the synagogue leader, Don't be afraid, only believe. He did not let anyone accompany him except Peter, James, and John, James's brother. They came to the leader's house, and he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him, but he put them all outside. He took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and entered the place where the child was. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Koum, which is translated little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl got up and began to walk. She was 12 years old. At this, they were utterly astounded. Then he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Acts chapter 10 verse 1, there was a man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment. He was a devout man and feared God along with his whole household. He did many charitable deeds for the Jewish people and always prayed to God. About three in the afternoon, he distinctly saw a vision, an angel of God who came in and said to him, Cornelius. Staring at him in awe, he said, What is it, Lord? The angel said to him, Your prayers and your acts of charity have ascended as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa and call for Simon, who is also named Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, who was one of those who attended him. After explaining everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they were traveling and nearing the city, Peter went up to pray on the roof about noon. He became hungry and wanted to eat, but while they were preparing something, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and an object that resembled a large sheet coming down, being lowered by its four corners to the earth. In it were all four-footed animals and reptiles of the earth and the birds of the sky, and a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. No, Lord, Peter said. For I have never eaten anything impure and ritually unclean. Again, a second time, the voice said to him, What God has made clean do not call impure. This happened three times, and suddenly the object was taken up into heaven. While Peter was deeply perplexed about the vision, what he'd seen, what it might mean, right away the men who had been sent by Cornelius, having asked directions to Simon's house, stood at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was named Peter, was lodging there. While Peter was thinking about the vision, the Spirit told him, Three men are here looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them with no doubts at all, because I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men and said, Here I am, the one you are looking for. What is the reason you are here? They said, Cornelius, a centurion and an upright and God-fearing man who has a good reputation with the whole Jewish nation, was divinely directed by a holy angel to call you to his house and to... Hear a message from you. Peter then invited them in and gave them lodging. The next day he got up and set out with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa went with him. The following day he entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him, fell at his feet, and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up and said, Stand up, I myself am also a man. While talking with him, he went and found a large gathering of people. Peter said to them, You know it's forbidden for a Jewish man to associate with or visit a foreigner, but God has shown me that I must not call any person impure or unclean. That's why I came without any objection when I was sent for. So may I ask you why you sent for me? Cornelius replied, Four days ago, at this hour, at three in the afternoon, I was praying in my house. Just then a man in dazzling clothing stood before me and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your acts of charity have been remembered in God's sight. Therefore send someone to Joppa and invite Simon here, who is also named Peter. He is lodging in Simon the Tanner's house by the sea. So I immediately sent for you, and it was good of you to come. So now we are all in the presence of God to hear... Everything you have been commanded by the Lord, Peter began to speak. Now I truly understand that God doesn't show favoritism, but in every nation the person who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. He sent the messages, the message to the Israelites, proclaiming the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. You know the events that took place throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were under the tyranny of the devil because God was with him. We ourselves are witnesses of everything he did in the Judean country and in Jerusalem, and yet they killed him by hanging him on a tree. God raised up this man, on the third day, and caused him to be seen, not by all the people, but by us whom God appointed as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that through his name everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins." While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came down on all those who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and declaring the greatness of God. Then Peter responded, Can anyone withhold water and prevent these people from being baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? He commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to stay for a few days. Amen. Man, the word of God is so good. It's so good. What a privilege just to read it out for you into the microphone. I am blessed to do that. I am blessed that you listen May the Lord bless you and keep you. Good day and Godspeed.